Welcome to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. I'm here today with somebody who potentially could have been a host for the show, but uh, has a pretty busy schedule, so he's probably going to be a regular guest, but we'll see depending on his availability. But I'm here today with Brendan. How are you? I'm oh, doing pretty good. Yeah, how do you pronounce your last name, man? It's I'm I, I'm not sure. Oh uh, yeah, everyone butchers it. It's McCullough. Okay, I'm glad I didn't butcher it. But yeah. you no, know, I think that's I think I would have said something similar. But all right, awesome. So, and do you prefer Bren? Uh Brendan, Bren. I'm usually right. my nickname in high school was that guy. So <laughs> nice. We might that might stick with the show. Yeah. <laughs> but, so I'm talking to that guy, you know. Yeah. And my but, um, schedule actually just opened up a lot because I quit my job. So, oh well, now we have something to talk about right off the bat. What what were you doing and what happened? Uh, it was actually an unpaid internship with. Okay. It was with a minor league hockey team in New York. Uh, that probably narrows it down a lot, actually. <laughs> oh, interesting though. But um, I went up there thinking I'd be able to have a part time job as well, and I'd be able to get some money somewhere so I could you know, not die. <laughs> yeah. And it was for video production where I'd be, I thought I was just going to be using the camera and editing together practice videos, but I ended up running the entire Jumbotron during games and uh, controlling all the cameras and pretty much running everything. Along, wow. Along with my roommate up there. And they worked us about 50 to 60 hours a week on average. Whoa. And this is unpaid? Yep, and they wouldn't even give us, like, gas money. They gave us nothing. Uh, that is, that's, I mean, the opportunity is there, but the whole unpaid thing is, ooh, that's killer. Yeah, some stuff happened back home, and I was, at a certain point I told them, I'm like, after three months, I was like, I need money or time off, or I'm gone. Sure, yeah, that's reasonable to ask for that, to be perfectly honest, so. And the, what, were they pretty much just, like, unbending? Uh, when I told them that, they said they understood, and they saw where I was coming from, and then I never heard from them again. Yeah, they just bitched out and didn't even want to confront you about it. They felt fine coming up to me and asking me about tech problems and why stuff's not working, but never about my employment there. Jeez, that's a bummer, man. Well, I'm, I, honestly, the best thing is that you're getting out and fuck it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the town really wasn't that good. It was There was nothing there, so I'm actually kind of happy I got out. Word. Word. Well, um, you, you have anything, uh, are you looking to do anything specific moving forward? Uh, before this, I was actually writing, uh, my resume up and I was about to apply to assistant editor position for, I think it's a short film for now, but it said there was room to grow with, uh, the organization they had there. Oh, fantastic. I actually have, um, some pretty helpful, uh, resume building skill like ebooks or something so i can shoot you an email with that stuff because it might help you out oh that'd be great i yeah mine's a mess oh dude and i have a really good one so like let me see yours and i'll definitely give you a critique oh okay great so yeah i'm thinking did you have a couple things you want to talk about today or anything specific because i have a few things but nothing like too not a lot i got a few topics written down and i figure after hearing a few of the previous episodes, that uh, I'm definitely the dumb guy of the group. Uh, dude, so. no, I am. I literally, it's like, I am I am not qualified to be a host. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I feel like this show is me picking other people's brains. <laughs> 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 it was just 
we were listening to you guys talk about the programming and all the tech speak, and I was just like, I like the part of the game where it goes boom, and like I knew nothing. <laughs> but I figured I'd primarily be the game consultant since I'm very up, or I'm spending most of my days just filling the void of unemployment. <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, anything specific that you've been uh, grinding on? Uh, recently, I got Binding of Isaac Rebirth. Okay, I actually I'm not familiar with that game. I think I heard, uh, it's actually uh, sort of a remastering. Um, the original Binding of Isaac came out a few years ago, and it's from, I think it was from some team, a uh, husband and wife actually, who worked a lot on Newgrounds, and they were actually released a bundle, I think it was called like the Basement Collection, but it's, okay. it's a roguelike game, and now that I look back on it, it's almost exactly like the original Zelda Oh, nice. You go from room to room, and every room is randomly generated with enemies and uh, hidden surprises and items. Awesome. So you, it's got a very twisted story behind it. You play as Isaac, uh, who's trying to escape his super religious mother, who believes that God told her to kill her son. Oh, gosh. So you're, <laughs> Yeah, so you're running around, and your main weapon is tears, so you just cry at other enemies and kill them. What? I've never heard of that. That's crazy. It's super dark and like every enemy is just covered in blood or crap or you know just yeah. But it's easily one of my favorite games. And nice. I gotta check it out. Um, is it PC or uh, some platform? Uh, I think the original one's just PC, but the Binding of Isaac Rebirth. Uh, it includes DLC they released, and it has a bunch of new stuff into it. In it, and it's definitely not just a remake. It's it's almost a new game in itself. Oh, fantastic. And I think that one's on a few consoles, maybe PSN and Xbox Live. Oh, awesome. I'm definitely looking into that. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. Cool. <laughs> I got it like a few weeks ago, and I already got 40 hours in. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Nice. I also got Ziggurat. Or Ziggurat. Hmm. Not familiar with that either. Yeah, it's not one I knew too well, and I found it's another roguelike. I clearly have a genre I prefer. Uh, but it's a randomly generated one where each room is different, new enemies, and different little tricks. And the trick with this one is it's first person. Oh, oh, interesting. Yeah, most roguelikes are top-down, like Zelda, where you can see the whole layout of the floor. This one, you have to, like, run behind stuff and see what's there. You run behind a small wall, and you can find a lava pit or something, or spikes. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Cool, dude. Um... Yeah, it's funny you mentioned these like road like games. I've uh I don't know what do you how do how do you classify a rogue uh style game? I've I've never heard of it until the last few months and all of a sudden there's a ton of games out. Um And that's like pretty much what you were suggesting with the whole like original Zelda, like the levels are randomly generated? Yeah, I, at least with the original Zelda, it stayed the same way you um play the levels again, the enemies will still be there, and it's the same secrets every time. Yeah. Roguelike seems to be like that, but it's random, where um, every time you play it, it's going to be different. And okay. there's never the same secret place twice. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it's a lot of exploring and a lot of... It, it's basically grinding. You die, you beat the... Or you die in the game, you play it again, you die again, and you get a little further each time. Gotcha. So, uh, I guess you could... Well... 
not with them at random so much, but you could classify Dark Souls and Demon Souls like that, where you just die and get, like, two inches further, and you die and get two inches, like... <laughs> yeah, I see what you mean. <laughs> it's an easy way for developers to guarantee that you'll play it a lot. Yeah, oh, totally. At that point, it's, like, uh, an addicting challenge. It's, like, who's gonna get the best of me, not this game? <laughs> yeah. Then it becomes a personal vendetta that you have to beat that boss and not just a simple game. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, so it's funny, I've been revisiting uh, Diablo 2, just because I used to love that game growing up, and I, I just, going back, it's still really fun, and uh, it's specifically because uh, the group of this podcast, the other hosts and I, are trying to make a game, and we don't really have a direction or anything, but I've been looking into some tutorials and stuff with Unity, and I'm pretty much trying to, like, I'm thinking I want to make a Diablo 2 style game, but much better and more story driven and just I don't know exactly but something along those lines and already from what I've I've got uh from a tutorial and stuff I already got some character animations like uh, a a basic combat system and stuff so I'm really eager to see where this goes yeah I know at least with the story wise that can be a challenge just because I know in my free time I've been writing more stuff and you hit just certain walls and it's just challenging to create something all on its own um, oh, definitely. With a creative element, let alone a technical programming, like, math where there's no short way around it, it's this or that. Yeah. And, well, the nice thing about um, this whole Unity engine, it's like, it pretty much makes everything simple. You can just, like, it integrates uh, C-sharp and JavaScript, which are programming languages, so that makes it really easy to just implement your logic and then have it like right, right away uh, display what you're trying to accomplish. So I'm really excited to see what we can accomplish with it. And I'll definitely keep you posted. And if, Hey, if you're a writer, you should definitely help out in the process. <laughs> I mean, I'll give it a shot, but I can't promise you anything. No, man, no worries, man. I mean, we're all, we're all pretty much new to this. So it's going to be just like, but the thing is, I think a game built by gamers you can't go wrong, so I think we're going to do it right. Yeah, there's. I'm looking now at just a lot of AAA titles that are usually tie-ins with movies or other franchises, and it's like, oh, God, there clearly was a, some sort of CEO behind this who was like, my grandson loves this band. Let's put this band in the game. It's like, uh. Yeah, yeah, uh. Yeah, they don't know what the people want. Yeah. <laughs> but somehow people still buy that shit, which is just mind-blowing. Yeah, I mean... I think a great example of that is the Sunset Overdrive. Okay, I need to know more about it, because I was, just by the advertisements, I was drawn in. I want to know about it. It kind of reminds me of Jet Set Radio, and I think we mentioned it in one episode, and like, I'm a huge Jet Set fanboy, so right off the bat, I'm like, oh, this looks interesting. Is it good? Is it bad? And is the hype? And what's going on? But I think that's the point. It, for At least from what I've seen, it seems like a lot of like, hey, kids like energy drinks. So the main plot about this game is there's a poison energy drink that turns people into monsters. and So it just seems very uh, like, hey, we're hip. We understand the youth culture. Put this yeah. in. Yeah, no, that's a fail it's already. I didn't know that about that at all. If I knew that right off the bat, I'd been like, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> yeah, the, I, from the first trailer, I definitely caught my interest just because it's so colorful and fast-paced. Exactly. But that's what, yeah. The more I see about it and the more I hear about people who've actually gotten to play it, there's like, it's really falling short. There's not much to it. 
Damn. Yeah. Damn, dude. And that's the thing. I just want another jet set. A next generation jet set <laughs> would sell like crazy and people would fucking love it. It just like imagine like incorporating all sorts of like badass electronic music like dubstep and like I don't even know like who it would just be fucking ridiculous, but I don't think anyone's ever going to jump on that. I think that whole uh company went under I don't, I don't remember though. Oh, I'm sure. But I mean, there's games like those where people are like, we want HD remakes of that, not an HD remake of a game that came out four years ago that was in HD already. But I know for me, the uh, one that really bothered me was uh, Zelda Wind Waker. They released in HD, and it's like, that game's so shaded. It has a particular style to it. Like, Yeah, you, that's not supposed to be improved upon, yeah, it's necessarily. Very, it's very simplistic and almost minimalistic in the uh, artistic choice of it. And it's like, yeah. let's make it HD. It's like, oh, so it's more minimalistic? Like, what do you improve yeah, on? exactly. It's like, good point. <laughs> that That's what bothers me with all these remakes. Like, if it's like Metal Gear Solid, um, Twin Snakes, the one that had, was on the GameCube. Like, if you could do yeah. a remake of that, great. Those graphics are terrible. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you're making one that's like uh, Katamari, it's like, that, you don't want HD for that. Like, it's there's a reason it looks like this. I agree, Def- definitely. Yeah, that's just a pet peeve. <laughs> yeah, it's just been bugging me for a while now. All these different <laughs> remakes. Yeah, no, I I had faith in a few. Like, there's like the the Shadow of the Colossus one and Ico, big fan. Uh, the the uh Kingdom Hearts. They just came out with this Kingdom Hearts two point five as well. So those two are both really good. Um, I'm trying yeah. to think. There's the Jack and Daxter series, which that's pretty cool, because I did enjoy that back in the day. Um, and just a couple other weird little titles. There's a few on there that are gems, and I'd like to maybe cover them on the show. But I guess, yeah, some of them are kind of just, like, unnecessary. Yeah, I just... The ones that particularly bother me are the ones that are artistic for a reason. Like, uh, Jack and yeah. Daxter and, like, Crash Bandicoot. Like, those are just... The graphics weren't the main priority. They didn't have a style or a theme to them, at least with the yeah, early ones. Exactly, and when they actually improve upon them, it's like a noticeable, like, oh crap, this makes the game a lot more, like, I can come back to this, but if I go back onto it on PS2, I'm going to be like, cringing. Yeah. Uh, I I got a few of the Thief games off Steam, like, during the sale. Oh, fantastic. And they are just painful to play, because it's just yeah, so old a- and, like, hindered, and it's just like, ugh. Dude, it's funny you say that, because I got, um, for Christmas from my girlfriend, uh, she gave me the Elder Scrolls Anthology, and that's, yeah, it's awesome, it's like that box set of all five Elder Scrolls games with, like, uh, all the, like, uh... Uh, DLC and... Yeah, exactly. And, uh, it it also comes with these, um, maps for each area, which is pretty cool, but the whole point is, like, the first two games, uh, Arena and Daggerfall, those games are... Re- talk about painful oh, like yeah. those games are like ancient <laughs> aren't they like borderline text-based like it's... yeah it's like yeah i think the first one specifically is and then Daggerfall is more like doom kind of i forget it i honestly didn't even get around to playing them just yet i i've beat morrowind oblivion and skyrim and those, let me tell you those games can't get much better than that yeah i know at least for me i had trouble with morrowinds because the combat was just so bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude, I, I love Morrowind. Probably out of all the Elder Scrolls, by far Morrowind is my favorite. And it sucks because, yeah, I think they did do like some kind of like 
mod on computer where you could uh, up up the graphics. And I tried to do it, and I just couldn't get it to work. But my one friend did, and he said it was so much better. But yeah, trying to go back to that game too is just like, oh, I remember being a kid like playing this shit on Xbox original or something, and being like. I felt like I was in another world. I literally <laughs> thought like I like fell into a book and I'm like playing this like I was so immersed. And then I come back to it like however many years later and I look at it and I'm like this looks like shit. <laughs> it's like why it's just so weird how our expectations climb just as fast. It's just because of the fast pace that they keep releasing uh games. It's like n- never ending. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you get sucked into an amazing story. It's like oh, it's like the never ending story. And then two, five years later, you come back and play it. And it's like, oh, it's like Warriors of Virtue. Like, I get sucked into a <laughs> shitty book. Yeah. <laughs> I never thought I'd uh, be able to make a Warriors of Virtue reference. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, man. Hopefully our audience can uh, appreciate that. Oh, that movie is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone understand this, understands that reference, I apologize that you had to sit through it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's definitely going in the show notes. So. <laughs> Nice. But, um, uh, do you, uh, what kind of phone do you have? Are you an iOS guy or Android? Uh, I'm actually one of the few people I know that had, uh, that just got a smartphone, I think within the last year. Okay. I, no, I know. There's a few that I know as well, but you guys are cool, though, for doing that, uh, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I never saw the point. I was never one to catch up on the flash of, like, I need the newest thing right now. It's like, it's like, why would I need the internet? I don't need the internet all the time. And, you know, now if I don't know the answer to something, I look it up right away, and it's it's hard to go back once you've had a smartphone. It, oh, yeah, definitely. It's funny, uh, because this one girl from college, I specifically remember her posting about, like, oh, I just got my first smartphone, and then, like, she was on, like, she was posting stuff on Facebook, like, an increase, like, 90%, and she yeah. was, like, always, like, <laughs> on everything. Yeah, it's weird. I still don't use it that much, because I'm so painfully aware of the data and how much it all costs. So I think after a year and a half, I've yet to go over a single gig of data. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Dude, well, th- th- yeah, good job. That's, that's <laughs> impressive. I feel like not many people can say that in this day and age. Yeah. I, I mean, I love being connected and I, know, I love knowing everything I can, but at a certain point I'm just like, mm, I do love that money more and I don't want to give it over to Verizon. Yeah, I, um... <laughs> I actually share a a family plan with my parents, so there's three of us sharing 10 gigs, and luckily there's like this like the Verizon widget that literally shows you where like the percentage of your 10 gigs and where you're at. So like for that whole billing period, you can pretty much watch that go up and then be like, oh shit, if you're getting too far, too close towards the end, then you gotta just not use your phone as much but yeah typically by the end of the billing period it's it's probably like up to like eight or nine gigs so i guess we pretty much use it heavily oh wow yeah i don't have to worry about that because my mom just discovered what texting is so uh, <laughs> I yeah i don't think i she... feel like it's it's only been like a within a year or two for the same thing for my parents so i know what you mean yeah but uh i got a lg g2 oh okay how do you like it uh i I really enjoyed. it. I got it mostly because uh, the screen is enormous. Yeah. But I got a very strong case because I figured I'd be dropping a lot because I'm a clumsy idiot. But <laughs> uh, now that I have it in my pocket, it takes like two minutes to pull out because I'm like, nope, give me, I got it. One sec, uh, and it's like prying the jaws of life. 
Yeah, the struggle is real, man. Yeah. I have a I have a giant phone as well, and let me tell you, the pants I wear to work, they just it it, it it'll eat them. And then I I want to get my phone out, and I'm like literally spending like forty five seconds just being like ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's tough, but I really enjoy with the G two. There's uh, volume control buttons on the back, along with just like I guess the main select button on the back as well. Oh, interesting. So I don't have to tap the screen every time. I can just hit the back and turn it on and off. And oh, wow, that's actually really a neat feature. Yeah, it's it's something small that I didn't think would matter that much, but I, it's probably the main reason I like it now. Nice, cool. Yeah. I li- I like when uh, unexpected features uh, really hit home and you end up using them. Yeah, it's something I went into because lost my previous phone. And I didn't have much of a choice, so <laughs> I took what I could get at the store. Nice. So, so I guess that concludes your Android, right? Yeah, Android. Yes. Where's the sun? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, I don't know. I just think the majority of uh, this podcast is kind of uh, anti-Apple, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Me specifically, not a fan. I mean, I have to put the podcast up on iTunes, but <laughs> let me tell you, it was a pain in the ass. And I think anybody, if if you don't want to use iTunes and you want to have a podcast... Well, you better download iTunes. Yeah, you're kind of screwed. <laughs> yeah, that's where I was, so I don't know. Yeah, it's like my one uncle gives out iTunes gift cards every year for Christmas, and I'm just like, ugh. It's yeah. Like, it's like, do I have to? Yeah, it's like, uh, can I trade this for real money? Yeah, really. <laughs> I don't know. I know a lot of different programmers and stuff, and I know all, uh, all the Apple products and the better, easier ways to find ones just as compatible. Yeah, my main complaint with Apple is like people probably wonder why does Zug hate Apple so much? It's because they're just a bunch of scammers. Like literally, it's uh, say a new iPhone will come out, the the previous iPhone's phone charger is not the same and it's not compatible. It's like I'm using the same Android phone charger from like three or four phones ago because it's all the same. Like it doesn't matter. Like there's certain things like that, that it's like the Android community understands like what the users want. Whereas like Apple's just like, we want to optimize this to make as much money as possible. And these people will buy it because it says Apple. And it's like, I'm not falling for that shit. Yeah. I mean, my one friend had a, I think an iPhone four and she doesn't even get updates anymore because it's not the newest phone. So Oh, what? So that's... Wow, I didn't know it would be that recent back that they stop updating. That's ridiculous. Yeah, so anytime there's like a glitch or a bug or something, like she's screwed because she won't get the patch for it because they're not giving her any updates. Yeah, that's that blows. So that's what I'm saying. And I feel like most... Most Apple users at least have one or two horror stories where they're like, "Oh, I had to send my my iMac Pro or whatever they're called back to this to the to get it uh, fixed and stuff." But I don't know. I just not a fan, and I just don't like the operating system. And ugh, not a fan at all. Yeah, I remember back with the hockey team, I slowly turned into the tech guy just because I knew a few things. And anytime someone asked, like, "Oh, how do you do this? How do you do that?" And I was like, "Oh, it's super simple." And they're like, "Oh, but I have a Mac." I'm like. Well, I can't help you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's where I draw the line. It's like, oop, now, now we're speaking French, and I only know Spanish. No. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, the reason I brought up the whole uh, phone and what which which uh, preference you have, a- uh, Android or iOS, is because I was wondering, uh, do you play many mobile games? Not really. I played, uh, I think, Plants vs. Zombies 2. Oh, nice. And... 
uh, you know, Fruit Ninja and stuff like that. But uh, I I want to get into it more, but I'm afraid that so many more of them now require internet connection while you play. So um, I'm sure there are, but um, that's the thing. That's something I'm really trying to explore myself, and I've been finding a lot of really cool games lately. And I'll definitely send you a few and talk about them now. But uh, so specifically, um, this one ga- game called Game Dev Story. You ever hear of it? No. All right, it's really it's as simple as a game can get. It's pretty. It's not text based, but it's just it's like these little pixelated. It's like you you're the CEO of a little game development company. You, you name your studios right off the bat, and you you hire about four employees, and you could have a coder, a designer, a sound engineer, and a, a writer. And you basically like can level these people up, and they work together on on little games that you release, and like new uh, platforms come out. So it's like, oh, the new Sega. Uh, uh, it's not a Sega, but it's called like a Sanga or something. <laughs> just they just released the new platform. Let's see. And then you have to buy like a contract to get rights to make a game for that, and that costs like four hundred thousand or something. But the whole point of the game is you're making money off the games you sell, and some are more successful than others, and you can get high scores and stuff. And it doesn't require internet access or anything, but I think it's like a couple dollars on the Play Store. But uh, over Christmas, I think I got it for like 98 cents, so I was like, uh, that's like a no-brainer. Oh, wow, yeah. I know there's one on Steam, it's called Game uh, Game Developer Tycoon. Oh, really? I want to check that out then. It sounds pretty much up the same alley. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds almost the exact same. Nice. I'll definitely look into that. That sounds neat. Yeah. But I, I know there's uh, some reviews that were saying like, I put in air conditioning to help my employees, and I bankrupted the company. So, <laughs> <laughs> see, all right, that sounds like it's a little more uh, in depth than the this mobile version because you pretty much are, you're not limited, but there's only so much you can do. But like putting air conditioning is not one. Of them. <laughs> <laughs> not worried but about that. Yeah, exactly. But that's funny. That's <laughs> if only there was like a roller coaster tycoon where you could just pick up the employees and throw them into a you know confined fenced in area with a lake slowly rising yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> can solve all Dude, your I, life's problems with roller coaster tycoon yeah that's the the problem with that game you pretty much just like build half a roller coaster and it's like the craziest end ever and then they just go flying off <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man ah uh, but um so that's just one of the ones i was playing that's pretty cool and then there's this other game i didn't get really far in it but it's called unmechanical and it's like really an artsy 3D kind of game. Oh, I think it, yeah, I'd classify it as a puzzle game. And pretty much, you're. It looks to me like a floating robot head. It's got like a propeller system on the top of his head, kind of like one of those weird hats. Huh. But uh, and yeah, so it's this floating robot head. I, I mean, it looks really cute, and you control it uh by uh either thumb on either side of your phone, and you can like move him side to side, up and down, and stuff. And pretty much you have to, like, interact. He has, like, this magnetic ability so he can pick up objects if you tap on him. And you pretty much interact with those objects and try to progress through the level. I didn't get very far yet. It's actually pretty confusing, if you, uh, to be perfectly honest. So I'm not sure if I'm going to recommend it yet, but once I get farther in the game, I'll let listeners know what I really think. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know the only other one I've been actually playing with some consistency is uh, Puzzles and Dragons. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, I think it's one of the bigger name ones uh, that you see on the side of like Facebook all the time that might might or might not be a virus or something, one of those. Oh, jeez. Yeah, 
But um, it's essentially just a match three, like so many games are now, like Bejeweled and Candy Crush and all that. Yeah. But um, that's for half the screen, and then on the top half you have like five little creatures, and each time you match like three waters, it gives energy to the water creature, or three fires, it gives it to them. Okay. And then uh, once they have enough energy, they attack whatever enemies in front of you. So it's kind of like a match three plus Magic the Gathering sort of system. Oh, cool. Yeah. And it was downloaded for free, but it's one of those, you know, you can play it for free and it'll take you four years to beat, or you can give yeah. us five bucks and you can win automatically. Yeah, exactly. We That's... Man, that's come up so many times in the show. It's just because we're we talk about mobile games frequently, and it's impossible to talk about mobile games and not bring up how like they're all pay to uh, pay to win. Yeah, it's it, it's a shame, but it's also like God, it just makes me want to get a game out there and make a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of people. It bothers a lot of people, and they're like, "Well, Nintendo never did this back, you know, in the '90s." It's like, ah, it's amazing because couldn't if they could i'm sure they would have like yeah this is just now they'd have such a such a wide audience everyone's got a smartphone everyone's got like a couple dollars that they can spend on a game so that's what it boils down to it's just like when once you make it that easy for people to like be like you know what i'll get it then you're gonna get a lot of sales yeah and it's also with the mobile phones you're getting in everybody like everyone has a mobile phone so you know kids grandmothers parents like your aunt, your uncle, everyone. Yeah, so your whole, you get the entire uh, demographic. It's pretty much, no, no matter who your audience is, you're they're on the phone. <laughs> yeah, and you don't have to sell them on like a console or something. They already have the what they device. need. Yeah, exactly. So I, so I can understand why they're doing it, but it's just a big deterrent for. Oh, this is a perfect segue. All right, man. So, do, are you familiar with the Oculus Rift? And did you hear anything on on previous episodes about that? Yeah, I I knew about Oculus Rift and I knew Facebook bought it, but I haven't heard really anything else about it recently. Okay, well, it's this isn't really Oculus related, but it's kind of. Um, so for people that aren't able to like drop however many hundreds or thousands of dollars, I'm not sure what it costs uh, to like get to achieve the VR uh, virtual reality like experience. Um, Google some some guy at Google is probably some genius is just like thinking, oh man. I can I can make the uh, virtual reality experience with my phone. So what they decided to do is they made this project called Google Cardboard. And what Google Cardboard is, uh, pretty much what it sounds like, they take they give you instructions how to make this cardboard little box device that you place your phone in, and it it's structured to like hold your phone, and then this box device will go up against your face, kind of like what the Oculus does. And you pretty much have this phone, like, nested right up against your face, and then there's certain apps developed for the cardboard um, that it'll, like, split your screen down the middle, and pretty much you'll be able to achieve virtual reality with the hardware you already own. And there's already, like, tons of apps in development. Like, one I'm specifically really excited to try is called the Hobbit uh, Virtual Reality Experience. And it's, like, the picture of it is, like, a hobbit hole. So I'm thinking I get to step inside a hobbit hole, and I'm really fucking pumped. (laughs) Walk around inside. Yeah, so I really, I don't, and it's, like, I have everything I need. I just have to build the cardboard thing and get 
get cracking. So I really want to implore our listeners to give it a try. I'm in the, the thing is though, they are definitely capitalizing on it. They're like, Oh, if you don't know how to make one or don't have all the materials, just buy one for 20 bucks. <laughs> or if you want like a $50, like aluminum one, it's like, Jesus Christ, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm sure someone's going to buy it. I don't know. Do you want this brand named box? It's got our yeah. logo on it. It's $70,000. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. And it's like the, the, the logo probably is like cardboard. It's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is it just like is it a projector off the phone like is it going right onto the back of the box or is it just using the box as like a background and like how does no, that so, work okay so from my understanding it literally just uses the box as the structure to hold the phone in front of your face at the right angle so it's like to to accomplish virtual reality uh it's pretty much your phone will be you'll be held landscape and the apps that are developed pretty much have two panels, so it's going to be split right down the middle, one for each eye. And then where this this cardboard box will help situate the phone where it needs to be, specifically in front of your vision, so that you can, when you look into it, you'll see the virtual reality experience. So I don't think the cardboard has anything special to do about it other than that it's holding the phone at the right distance and it's like staying on your face. Oh, okay. I was thinking, like, the phone or the cardboard went on the back of the phone and, like, made it almost black box theater, sort of. It, no, so. it more or less, like, just encompasses it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I'll have to send you a link, and I'm definitely putting it in the show notes. It's a super interesting thing that I heard about, and I definitely thought I'd bring it up. It's, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. It's <laughs> that much closer to making sword art online real. Yeah, we were just, it's funny, uh, the episode that's being released right before this, me and AJ were talking about sword, sword Art. It was our first uh, little anime segment, so that was fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are you guys all caught up on it, or? Um, he is. He actually is, like, into the, the second season and, the, like, the ones that aren't even out in English and stuff. I have seen just the first episode. I'm still a lazy bastard. I have to just watch more anime. I just don't have the time with all the stuff I'm doing. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. Anime is the casual man's uh, hobby. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like once I'm down to the, I've I've done everything I need to do. I'll watch some anime. <laughs> yeah, I burnt through all two seasons. Uh, I think back when I was still in school. Oh, fantastic! What what's your overall rating, and do you suggest it? Uh, it's pretty good. It's a little weird with the first season though, because it takes a big shift. Like it changes drastically halfway through. Okay. And then the second season, I mean, it's no big spoiler, it's all in a game. So yeah. halfway through the first season, they go to a different game, and then for the second season, they go to another different game. Oh shit, that sounds super confusing. I mean, it's still all with the same premise, like, it's all the same, uh, the games are all built the same way, like most MMOs are, they're all based off one primary one. Yeah. But it's just the art style and stuff changes, like, drastically. Oh wow! I'm I actually am kind of looking forward to see how that works out. Yeah, I'd say it's you know overall it's you know seven point five out of ten or eight. You know it's pretty decent. Awesome, good, good to hear. Um, well, now that I have somebody who also knows about anime and stuff, what what are some of your favorites? And just give me some information on what you've seen lately or anything like that. Oh, uh, favorite I'd probably say by far is uh, Full Metal Alchemist. Okay, that's one. You know. I'd stay up late in middle school, see it on Adult Swim, and uh, when I got older, I'd see it and have flashbacks. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, and see, I caught up, and I just I watched both series, read all the manga. I got full sucked into that one. 
Nice. I love when uh, you can find one that you really like like that. I personally never uh, watched that one in its entirety or anything. I, I just don't think I ever sat down and I gave it a chance, so I'm sure I'd like it, but my kind of uh, similar anime growing up would be Dragon Ball Z, oh, yeah. and I still I can still go back to that and enjoy it. I mean, it's definitely like, when you watch it, though, like at this age, you're like, oh my god, they're drawing this out so long. <laughs> and, it's, and it's like, all it is is guys screaming and getting more powerful. Yeah. <laughs> you have the four episodes of Goku charging up the spirit ball, and it's like, Literally. Really? That- <laughs> That was painful, and I remember as a kid being like, I was so on the edge of my seat for weeks, being like, what, what's going on? <laughs> what could possibly happen? Do you think he'll possibly yeah. lose? No, he's Goku. Yeah. He always wins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I actually just came home, and I started packing up a lot of old action figures I had, and just, I never realized how many Dragon Ball Z ones I have. Dude, I have a bucket load, dude. It's a shitload. I should just take a picture of it. People would be shocked. I was actually trying to find some place I can, like, sell them, like, because I can't donate them because they're all used. Like, yeah. I can't sell them because everyone I know is, you know, 25 and doesn't have room for it, this stuff anymore. Yeah, it's like, I have, like, this one of, of uh, Master Roshi, and I was, like, considering just putting it on my desk at work, but I'm like, no, nah, people be like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember in middle school, I had a, it was actually a Nightcrawler from the X-Men, but he had suction cops on, so I, oh, shit. I put him inside my locker one time. Nice. Like, oh, you got a little doll. I'm like, well, he's gone. He's yeah. Oh uh, man. That, yeah. Thanks for ruining that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh man. Oh, I actually but, um just finished the Naruto manga because the whole series is done. Oh yeah, I heard about that. I, that's another one that's like it's just too big for me to even like. I'm I'm just not gonna do that. I'll say <laughs> I'll say this. I was there from like I wasn't there from square one, but I start at the beginning and I caught up all the way to the end. Yeah. Don't do it. It just yeah. it's so bad. <laughs> oh man. Well that's a great I'm I'm very grateful because I wasn't going to anyway, but now I just got reaffirmed. Like uh thank you. <laughs> yeah. My one buddy was trying to catch up onto uh Shubiden, which is like after the time jump when they're all old. Yeah. And he's like, when should I stop? And I looked up the episode list and I was like, eh, stop around episode thirty two would be like a good place to stop and you know, the story's fine. And he was like, well, how many episodes is after that? And I was like, ah, like 360. Yeah. Like, you don't need to watch any of those. <laughs> oh, man. At one point, they go from, like, fighting just a bad guy to fighting existence itself and, like, God. Like, it's just like, ugh, what happens? Yeah, what? It, uh, I can't recommend it less to anybody. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Oh, good. And I hope our listeners can comment and stuff and give their opinions. I'm sure we're going to have some fanboys, like, freaking the fuck out, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> oh, give them my personal email. I'd love to talk to them about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, nice. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's another one that I had real no no real background in, so I'm glad to get an opinion on that. Um, what... Uh, so those are some of the bad ones. <laughs> what, what, well, and also you mentioned Full Metal Alchemist on the good side. Uh, what are some other ones that you really enjoyed? Uh, it's tough to say. I haven't been watching too many lately. Okay. But I know my roommate in college was obsessive, so he got me into a ton. Um, Trigun's great. You know, Cowboy Bebop, the classics. Oh, definitely. Uh, Did you uh, ever see Gurren Logan? We tried getting into that. And I think we got like three episodes in, and we're just like, "This is just confusing, dude." It very it is, but totally worth sticking with. Yeah. And I, I, oh my god, 
that show is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Pro- and I mean, a lot of anime fans would ag- probably agree. Like that one usually is in the running for like some of the best anime, but that it, it is for a reason. That the the climax at the end of that show is just unfathomable it was like that episode was just godly and i don't know i just really enjoyed the series i mean it's definitely a little weird with certain uh fan service and just like it's just really weird in general like everything about that show is really strange like the boy who uh has like a drill and the the society is underground it's kind of like the cave parable which is really cool and the whole idea is uh this boy and this other guy pretty much break to the surface and realize there's more to the world than just what the, where they were living and what's beyond the surface is just fucking ridiculous shit like these giant ass monsters or mechs technically and yeah it's it's ridiculous yeah i remember watching uh i guess it's a personal thing for me i'm not a huge mech fan and okay uh i remember me and my buddy were watching i think it was sword x gun or something along those lines Okay. And it was kind of interesting for like the first episode, and we get to the second one, and it's just like out of nowhere, a mech drops down. It's like, that, this didn't have anything to do with the story. What's happening? And it just bummed us out, but. Yeah. You know what happened there? The, the Whoever was writing it was like, you know what we need? Big robots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, but that's the thing about Gurren Logan. It's not your typical mech in any regard like it is so atypical when it comes to all other mech anime i've ever seen so it's definitely i highly recommend revisiting that or if you've never seen it definitely go check it out yeah i, I see it everywhere and you know people talk about it non-stop so I, oh so good i'm glad yeah i think you'll thank me later i really think you will <laughs> i know there's one that my brody or brody my buddy brought up to me and it was really hard to get into but it ended up being one of my favorites, and I actually have like the soundtrack too. Oh, what's what's this? Uh, Puela Magi Madoka Magica. Okay, see, when they're that complicated, I just uh, I can't keep up already. Yeah, I just googled <laughs> it, and I'm reading it right off the screen. <laughs> okay, nice, cause yeah, that one. Oof, can you say it one more time? I'm sorry. Puela Magi Madoka Magica. Okay, and what's the concept? It's uh, the beginning. It's the typical magical girl. Uh, tropes, you know, like Sailor Moon and all that, and it's like middle school girls who get who meet this strange little creature, and he offers them this great power, and they have to stop these evil. They're called witches, but they're just like monsters, and okay, they have to save the world from them. And then, like, <laughs> I really couldn't get into it, and I felt really weird because I'm just like, man, why'd you yeah. why'd you tell me to watch this? I feel like a pervert, like, because it's just <laughs> little girls and magical and all that. Yeah, that's but, like a lot of anime. Yeah, but like episode four takes this hard, dark turn, and it gets super like gritty and dark, and it's just hmm. it's just a roller coaster after that. Okay. So if any interesting, if anyone's like cautious or a little hesitant to watch it, just get to like episode four, and it just yeah, then you'll be sucked in. All right, good to know. I'll I actually might have to check that out myself. It's um it's funny you say that though. It's like an, one of those animes you go into being like, I don't know yeah. if I'm gonna <laughs> like this. Um, there's one of those in college. There's actually an anime club, and one of the like they do maybe two three episodes uh, every Friday or something, and we watched an entire series of uh, Chrono Crusade. I think it's called. Mm. You ever hear of that? No, I can't say I have. Okay, yeah, it's not, I don't think it's very well known, but uh, it's pretty much your, 
nuns with guns is the category. Oh, <laughs> I've seen <laughs> so that. I was like, yeah, so I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. It's like these like nuns with all these guns, and they're like just kill- taking out demons and shit. But it actually, and one of the demons actually turns out being like on the the nun side, and like it's like their only weapon, and like it actually. Honestly, I went into it being like, this seems really dumb, and the intro music wasn't that good. But then, by the end of the show, though, I was like, holy shit, that was a really good anime. So there are certain ones that you should stick in there for. I Honestly, I did really enjoy that series, especially towards the end. The way it all progressed, I don't want to really talk about it too much, but I I will recommend it at the very least. So Yeah, I know with Toilet Magica, I, I went on some website and put a thread about it. I was like, hey, did you guys hear about this? Because it was new to me, and no one I knew saw it before then, and I just got onslaughted with just like, oh, it's a troll, it's a double troll, he's a you know triple troll reverse spot. I was like, what is happening? Because <laughs> apparently it's just super common knowledge that it's very good, and I don't know if it'd be considered an underground anime, but it's you know it's one you probably have seen everywhere, but you never realized what it was. Yeah. Interesting. I bet I probably would recognize the characters or something like spread like that. Yeah, it's it. It's just hard to explain, but it's brutal. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! In the last episode on with AJ and stuff, we talked about Elf and Lied. Did you see that? Oh god! Yeah, that's what I'm talking <laughs> about. That's fucking. That's fucking brutal. Oh god! Yeah, my buddy, uh, my roommate was in college. We, you know, he lived right up the street from me all high school and into that. So, um, a lot of times after work, we would just hang out after work at one. of one of each other's houses and then co- come back home at like three in the morning and my yeah. my parents were like what were you guys doing and they're like what watching anime <laughs> and his parents were like yeah i bet you guys were drinking all that and my parents were like no they're nerds we know like they're watching yeah. anime <laughs> it's like no it's, honestly <laughs> but uh elf and uh, lied or lead um that's one of the ones we watched and we were like holding our mouths we're like oh god no because it was like two in the morning we couldn't be screaming yeah, exactly. But that's one of those shows where you're trying not to scream out loud, be like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's just one of those moments where it's like, no, this isn't happening. They're going to cut away. Someone's going to say, oh, God, no, no, no. Yeah, like, yeah, uh, that that show. All right, so, yeah, I just wanted to make sure you're on my level uh, when yeah. it comes to brutal anime. <laughs> God, that one was tough. <laughs> it was, bro. It was. That's, yeah. But, uh, all right, on a on a happier note, uh, did you ever see Summer Wars? No, I remember um, your girlfriend actually telling me about that, and that's one of the ones that you, uh, you showed her and got her into it. Oh my god. I always, so, always mean to watch that. Oh, I will definitely somehow find a means to get you access to it, because it's pretty much my favorite uh, movie with an anime influence. It's just by far the most moving, awesome, like there's so much going on, and it's like kind of a modern world it seems like modern day actually and the the whole thing is there's these two kids they're like i guess like maybe no they're probably teenagers uh maybe 17 18 or something and they're coders for this thing called oz and oz is their social network on acid pretty much it's pretty much everything in in the world at this point uses oz everybody logs into oz you can like you can schedule appointments for like your dentist or like for like if you need a uh, oil change and stuff in oz like everything all your billing everything's done in oz so like the whole world pretty much relies heavily on this 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 computer structure thing 
And um, so the whole idea is like he's a coder for that. Just and uh, this girl that he likes in high school pretty much asks him, "Oh, can you come hang out with me for the weekend or something uh, and pretend to be my boyfriend or something like really anime?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure." So he goes out to the countryside and he's like of a small family and she's got like a massive heritage rich like family where like they're like, "Oh, we've been here for hundreds of years and like we've defended this land and like they're like hardcore." I don't know if I want to say samurai or something, but it seems like that. And uh, and he's just like this like nerdy like just coder kid and has like probably like a sister and a mom and dad and like that's the extent of his family. Yeah. So and, and like but anyway, so he's thrown in this crazy environment and that's like the whole like gist of this thing. But the the, the main uh, attraction of this movie is uh, shit hits the fan. Like he gets sent this algorithm in a text message. And pretty much it says, oh, solve this. And he he just does it because he's like an incredible math student. Like he was probably, he was like a math leader, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And, and he solves this puzzle, sends it back. And then the next day, like all over the news, it's like Oz has been like, like hacked and is totally like in, like somebody's wreaking havoc in Oz. And the thing is, they, they, his name is like his account is tied to the person who hacked it because he solved the algorithm so all of a sudden like the people that he's living with like that don't really know him are like he's on the news and he's wanted for uh hacking this oz uh, system and so pretty much she hits the fan i don't really want to say much but the whole idea is this this and the whole the cool thing about oz is it's like a video game style world. So the movie cuts from the real world to moments when they're like their avatars in Oz. So like, there's like fighting scenes and stuff that happen in Oz that are ridiculous. Like there's this one guy, King Cosmo, he's a rabbit, does some crazy martial arts and shit, like really visually stunning stuff. And overall, just really fun movie. It's it gets so it, it literally, there's this one moment like that's the most climactic moment of any movie I've ever seen. So I can't recommend it any more than that. Very emotional too. It, there, there's moments where it's like tear jerking. So overall, a masterpiece of a film. Oh wow, yeah, I'll have to definitely catch that. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I don't usually talk about movies like that, but that one, oh, phenomenal. Yeah, I, I looked it up. Uh, I saw a little, a uh, few little images of it. Kind of reminded me of, um, if you remember. This might be a complete wrong comparison, but the Digimon movie, like the first one. Okay, where... yeah, I never saw it, but I think the art style might be similar. Yeah, it it was just a much different art style than from the show, and it was definitely like these soft palettes, sort of. Um, it it looks like brush strokes, but yeah, clearly it's animated. Yeah, and dude, that's another thing. The the I don't, I don't necessarily want to say graphics, but like the the visuals in and summer wars are incredible i also i just have a copy of it in blu-ray so it just makes it that much more like oh my god (laughs) but (laughs) higher quality yeah it's just uh love it and they they went on to make another movie i can't i think it's called something like wolf children and that's the thing i i can't get into that one yet. that one i've heard of yeah yeah, I, I heard about it too, and I bet it's equally as like impressive in the sense that it's a good story and it's moving at points, but I don't think anything's gonna top Summer Wars. There's that movie literally gets like gives me goosebumps at at like that climax. It's fucking nuts. It kinda reminds me of like Miyazaki movies. I I watched um Howl's Moving Castle and I just completely sucked into it and just totally immersed and I was like it might be my favorite. Yeah. And then Love it. Later I watched My Neighbor Totoro and I was like you know, I get it. It's nice, but eh, like 
I see what you mean. That's a great comparison of like going from something where you're like, man, this kicks ass. So now I'm expecting this to be just as good, but then it's just like something a little different. But that's art for you. So, but I I thought for a while it was like, oh well, House Moving Castle there's more action in it. There's like fighting and this and that. And Totoro is just like a nice almost countryside summer walk. The equivalent to a movie, like it's just pleasant. Yeah, exactly. Then, no, that's a great. Then I watched the wind rise. Uh, the wind rises. Uh, Miyazaki's latest movie. Oh, okay. You've seen it. I had. Yeah, it. and it's just beautiful. But it's like Totoro, where it's like just very pleasant, and the beauties of life, and some of the hardships of it, and like nothing uh, supernatural happens. But I really enjoyed it. it was, I definitely enjoyed it more than Totoro. Yeah. Awesome. I'll definitely look into that. Yeah. I know um, we mentioned that I wrote earlier something I've been really trying to keep up with is I found a subreddit called Life as a Life as an NPC. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like an odd place where it's just a collection of short, short stories but it's all from the perspective of NPC characters in video games. Oh, nice. That could be hilarious. Some of them are really funny and then some of them are I think I've seen one that's like part five and they're just huge paragraphs like like the guy's trying to write a novel of this character's perspective. Oh my gosh. But um yeah, it's something it's definitely something that sparked my interest in writing and I'm I've been trying to keep up with that a lot more. Um nice. But it's a lot of them have mostly been, you know, Skyrim, Grand Theft Auto, 5, uh, you know, Saints Row, the ones where it's just wacky and insane. Yeah. But I I can imagine. Yeah, but I like uh I like seeing the people try to write perspectives like there's one Someone wrote from the perspective of someone in Katamari. <laughs> so it's like, I went to the store and I go try to buy uh, you know groceries for my family, and I see this giant ball fly down the street, take out half my neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. I'd be more interested in the atypical ones. Yeah, the ones that you're not expecting to get an NPC's perspective on. Yeah, because um, with some of those big sandbox games like Skyrim and Grand Theft Auto, it's like, well, clearly, this is the game where the character goes crazy, and of course they'll do wacky stuff. But yeah. it's like just looking in the hindsight of like, what would the Koopa think in Mario? That like the one Koopa he didn't kill in that level. I'm like, oh my god, all my friends are dead. Like, yeah, what's his perspective? <laughs> yeah. And it just really, you know, changes the how you view the one game. I, oh yeah, I know. I've definitely that... been spending a lot of time with those. That's that's really cool. I'll definitely have to put that in the show notes too, because that's super interesting, and I'm gonna have to read a few, if not write one or two. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those things. Ah, I've had a few drinks, and you know, fingers are a little loose. Let me just type this out real quick. And... Yeah, <laughs> it never hurts yeah. to get some typing done. <laughs> um, I will say I did find this one game recently. I just I, I can't even tell you where I found it, but it's called Unholy Heights. Okay. Um, PC? Yeah, uh, as far as I know. Okay. I'm not sure. But it's um, this little game where you're Satan and you're <laughs> you're a landlord. So you're like managing. It's like an it's like one of those management games where you're controlling the different um, stats and you're accounting for different things. Um, yeah. But so you're like catering to all your tenants' different needs. Like one is like, oh, I want. Uh, air conditioning. Oh, I want a fridge or a new bed. You have to pay for it. If they're doing well, you can increase the rent on them and that'll pay for more stuff. But all your tenants are monsters. 
and every so often a herd of like heroes will come by and try to kill all of you and Saint. What? And then you have to use your tenants to defend them. Dude, that is fucking cool. And, <laughs> and it's just this really like simple, it's all 2D, and it's just super Japanese, like the style. Yes, dude, I want to play this immediately. It sounds it's just like it's like just the exact opposite of your typical kind of Yeah. <laughs> People have called it as like a micromanagement tower defense. Like, oh, nice! Wow, that sounds super cool. And I got it on Steam on sale for like a dollar. I love when that happens. Yeah, it's great, but it's definitely one that I've just been putting a lot more time into than I thought I would. Yeah. Uh one game I want to put a lot of time into, but I just didn't even buy it yet. Is uh, Geometry Wars Three on PSN? <laughs> huh. I really did. You ever play those games? No, I've never heard of it. Oh, yes. Well, yeah, I played Geometry Wars when it was on Xbox 360, and I would go to my friend's house, and I'd just play until, like, the crack of dawn. It was insane. Like, that game was so addicting. It's pretty much just, like, a grid-based game, but you're, like, a little, like, you're just a small little unit that, like, I guess a spaceship kind of thing, and it shoots... And pretty much these, like, these objects, like, pretty much geometrical shapes are, like, coming at you, and you have to shoot them and stuff, and different ones explode different ways, and it's pretty much just a lot of avoiding and taking out a shitload of enemies and building up your, your point, your points and stuff, and trying to get a high score, and there's, like, I think you have access to three bombs, and if you get a certain amount of points, you get another life, and all all that kinds of stuff, but, uh, the, the most neat thing about it was, like, like, especially for the one on 360, was, like, when you'd, like, be shooting and stuff, and, like, say you'd use a bomb, that it would, like, literally look three-dimensional, like, the grid would, like, lift up and stuff, and, like, the colors and stuff, it's, it's hard to describe, I'll have to just include, like, a YouTube link of, like, the footage and stuff, but it was just so unique in the way that it literally made, like, the surface kind of ripple, like, water, and, like, when you like things would explode or like you'd like shoot and there'd be different animations and really just overall really exciting animations and graphics and now they've finally come out with geometry wars 3 and it looks like they've taken that whole concept and made it that much more crazier which i didn't even think was possible so they took this concept that i just finished explaining and now put it into four dimensions so now instead of you're on a grid you're pretty much on a cube and each side of the cube is a grid and you can go from side to side and like seamlessly and just it's it's literally ridiculous so i'm really looking forward to trying that out but uh i haven't got around to it yet but if anyone has any experience let me know what you think but i'll probably do a review on a future episode oh god that kind of hurt when you said fourth dimension it kind of hurt my brain like yeah, that's what it's. I don't know if I I probably am misspeaking when I say that. But it's that, yeah, but that's I, I don't even know. It's yeah, yeah, it's just it was weird how they took that concept and made it that much more like holy shit. I don't. It is hard to describe. Yeah, just expand on that. It, yeah, that's that's crazy. It's great with games like that when it's like so simplistic where they clearly were focusing on more of the mechanics and the gameplay at first, and exactly they eventually just they choose a style clearly, but it's not as elaborate as, like, a fully drawn uh, game, so it doesn't take as much time. And then yes. that way you see the next game, how they can evolve after it was successful. The- exactly. That's, yeah. And that's the thing um, I'm learning as I'm trying to start developing this game for the podcast. It's like the the guy in the tutorial even says, like, work on mechanics first and nothing else. Like, it doesn't matter... And nothing else matters, literally. <laughs> just get your, your logic working so that you can do what you're trying to do and then focus on everything else after because that stuff isn't as important. And he's absolutely right. 
Yeah, that's always, uh, you know, the quality of the uh, product is, you know, prime focus. Yeah, and that's that's where I'm at working on this whole combat system. It's definitely buggy. Even It's funny because even in the t- tutorial, this guy has tons of bugs and we just go through them, which I actually appreciate because it, it just gets me more familiarized with what I'd expect when, when, when I'm doing it on my own. Yeah, it's... I've definitely seen my fair share of uh, bugs in games that have just destroyed the entire game. So yeah, oof. Any any you'd like to mention? Because like I'm trying to think of any that stick out in my mind, and there are some, but I'm gonna have to really think on it. So I'll think while you explain. Uh, I know one with mine. It wasn't so much as a bug with the initial game, but it was Spore. And oh, okay. There was like an update that you had to do to you know fix some of the patches. So I updated it, and then it just, like, burnt out my entire video card. And I wasn't able to play any, like, 3D demanding games. Oh. And it just, I don't know what happened, but I couldn't play any no. game, like, made after 95, because it was too demanding. Yeah, that sucks, man. That's a big bug. Yeah. And it's, and, oh. And it was... Did, did, oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, did you get around to... Did you enjoy Spore A and B? Did you go back to playing it? I enjoyed it uh, before that, and um, Spore was a fun game up till, if anyone doesn't know, you start out as just a microorganism and you design the whole creature and the name and everything, and then yeah. you just survive until you can evolve into, I believe it goes from microorganism to uh, land dwelling animal, then you go to tribe, and then when you're a tribe, you take over the whole country. Then when you evolve from tribe, you go to a like city, like a modern society, and then you take over the whole world. And okay. then when you take over the whole world, you evolve into a galactic civilization. Oh wow! But you're still that animal that you created, like from like walking onto land. So you sure. still look the same, but you have like different armor and stuff. The problem was once you got into the galactic uh, area, you literally had to go through the entire galaxy, and when you're on land, the country was like, you know, it's a decent size and, and it seemed like a country for that planet in a game. Yeah. But when you hit galaxy, like, it's almost literally the size of a galaxy. Like, oh, there's God. millions of planets they want you to go to. I'm just like, nope, this is too much. It's, yeah, you know, and then you find out there's a galactic empire at the center of your galaxy that already what? that already owns like thirty percent of that galaxy, so it's like, how am I going to fight? That? Like, it's just too overwhelming. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, but after I did that, I you know just go into the creature creator and just make different stuff, and I made like a gorilla-looking thing that looked like Grimace from McDonald's, and you know, <laughs> uh, that was fun. But once it destroyed my computer, I th- there's a little bitterness, I can honestly say, and I didn't oh. feel like playing it. <laughs> Uh, much I can imagine, man. I yeah, would not be happy with that. Uh, it was um, <laughs> it was fun while I had it, but like I see new versions of Spore out and like updates, I'm just like, nope, not even not even gonna attempt it. Yeah. Uh. Well, I'm glad I got to learn about that game because that's one I remember when it came out. I was actually working at Walmart when that like freaking launched mm-hmm. and I was a electronics and em- uh, employee and yeah I remember being like I wonder what this game's about and it was selling like crazy so yeah I remember like I think it was Steve Wozniak was the big name behind it yeah that sounds familiar and he, you know, he's like one of the uh, I'm gonna get this wrong I'm sure someone's gonna call me out on it but 
not co-founders of Apple, but one of the beginners, like one of the guys who began Microsoft and all that. Okay. So like him behind it was like a big name and everyone's really excited. And he's, you know, they're selling the game. They're selling features that eh, don't really work out the way you think they do. So yeah. where, where it was a breakthrough game and it was amazing what you could do with it. Some of the stuff didn't live up to the hype and you know, kind gotcha. of short. Damn. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so I know you read manga and stuff. Have you read any good graphic novels lately? Um, I've been trying to catch up on all of the Ultimate Spider-Mans. I just found a lot of those. Okay. Uh, I think I read most of them. I'm a diehard like Marvel fan and all that. Gotcha. But uh, up at I went to Penn State and up there they actually had a class, so I was able to read a lot of good ones like you know Arkham Asylum and stuff like that, the typical ones. But I found uh, I'm actually looking at them right now. Uh, what was it? I think it was one called Stagger Lee, where it was about this mythos of, like, this cult- or cultural character, especially popular in the South. And it was a very interesting way they told the story, because the art style changed with who was telling the story. And since it's a myth, the original story gets blown out of proportion really quickly, and all this different stuff happens. Um... I didn't particularly care for the story itself too much, but okay. it was definitely very interesting the way the guy told it. And gotcha. He, and the art style. The art style changes constantly, and they make refer- they make mentions of all these different musicians that keep telling the story of Sagar Lee like through song. So they have a lot of like okay, you know, cameos in that regard. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's it's funny. Uh, one of my favorite uh, series that as a graphic novels is called the uh, the Am. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce my favorite series. <laughs> uh, the Amory Wars or Amory. I think it's Amory. Amory. So uh, a- yeah, A M O R Y Amory Wars. Um, that that shit's awesome. Are you familiar with it? No, I can't say I've heard of that. Okay, I'll definitely get you hooked on this. Um, pretty much, I'm sure you've heard of the band Coed and Cambria. Oh yeah. Okay, well, here I get to splurge on my music uh, obsession. I've been, I've been like a huge fan of Coed and Cambria for like ever, and pretty much I'm I'm a huge new music freak, and I I've seen tons of bands, I've like tons of records, and pretty much for me to say my top three favorite bands is saying a lot, yeah. and Coed is number one. So literally, my number one band in the entire world is Coed and Cambria, and the reason being not only because their music is phenomenal, and every time I've seen them live, they're they're just unbeatable uh it's because the story that is behind coed and cambria and i was first introduced to this concept when i was in what early high school or something and the second stage uh the second stage turbine blade which was their first release Mm -hmm. and uh in keeping secrets of silent earth 3 was their uh, second release and i was kind of like confused like the first one's called second stage and the the second one has the number three in it (laughs) so i was right off the bat i'm like what the hell's going on here and i was told by a friend who was like huge into it he's like there's a story behind it and it's about i'll explain what it's about but he's like and basically they released this one first and they're gonna do all the albums and then finally release it so it's like it's kind of like star wars in that sense where they start at a really weird number in the story and just like then eventually come back to the the beginning oh, but weird. uh but the yeah it is it, it was kind of strange like that but that's what first got me like uh, okay you've got my interest and i really enjoyed the music but the story, all right, so I'll just explain the second stage Turbine Blade only because the rest I'll let you guys look and do on your own. But the premise is 
Coheed and Cambria are a man and wife, and their their family it's Coheed and Cambria Kilgannon, and so the Kilgannons are like in this in this I guess other universe where uh all the all the planets are tied together by this force called the Keywork, and pretty much uh. It's just like this weird, it's this weird world, and Co- Coheed, the husband in the situation, goes to work one day, and is informed by this guy, like, after he gets out of work, this guy's like, you gotta step into my limo, and we have a, have a conversation, and he's like, I'm from some government agency, and I'm telling you that you were, you're half human, half android, you were created, like, as a terrorist, like, uh, defense unit, and we've, like, brainwashed you, and you don't even know anything about your past, and the thing is, you, uh, were affected with this virus called the Monstar, and the thing about this virus is, if it is, is unleashed to the public, um, it would bring about the apocalypse, pretty much. So it's some pretty heavy shit to like get out of work, and this guy's just like, yeah, um, you have this virus in you that's gonna cause the apocalypse. But then, so then he goes on to say, oh well, the good news is we have a cure for it. The bad news is you created offspring in the meantime, and they've developed a mutated version of the virus called the Sinstar, and that will also like wreak havoc on the entire universe. And we don't have a cure for it. So the only thing we can do is kill them now. So he's like, you basically have 24 hours to kill, like, all your all your offspring. And he's got, well, let me count, uh, four kids. All varying ages. Alright, so the, the first of which, Claudio. Claudio's, like, our age, 20-something young guy. Mm-hmm. Really cool main character. Uh, Josephine, his, his older sister. She's, like, around the same age, like, has a boyfriend named Patrick about to get married and stuff. She's really neat. And then they have two, uh, like, twin brother and sister, uh, uh, Matthew and Maria, and they're, like, little ones, like, maybe four or five years old, like, really young. So he's got to kill these his kids. And uh, and the thing is about his wife, she's got, like, this telekinetic power about her, so she knows about it instantly as soon as he gets home. And, he's and like, they're like, what are we going to do? So Claudio's out with his girlfriend, like, doing his thing. Josephine's out with her boyfriend doing his thing. So the only kids that are home are um, Matthew and Maria. And that's what the first fucking song on the album's about. He's, like, singing, like... like singing about how he's poisoning his own kids and stuff so and like and as soon as i found out the meaning behind these songs i was like what the fuck so like and there's it's literally it goes so much deeper um josephine gets raped she comes home to tell her parents uh and her dad just murders her with a with a hammer because like he asked to kill her and as like she's getting murdered her boyfriend walks in to like explain himself and like be like i'm sorry this happened like because he wasn't like he took her out that night and uh they got ambushed by a, a gang in somewhere in jersey or something so it's 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 ridiculous so she gets raped she comes home to tell her parents gets murdered he witnesses the murder and runs away so he's like my girlfriend's dad just killed my girlfriend so he's off doing his own thing claudio's the only living sibling left and he and he finally like um the government he's like late to get home so basically 
uh, the government comes in and is like, oh, well, we're going to take care of the last one because you couldn't do it. And it was pretty much like a, all a, pl- a ploy. Like, it's it all bullshit. You'll have to read it to find out what's actually going on there. And then it, it's like on a galactic level, like, they pretty much like go on a spaceship and there's some crazy shit, like, pretty much Coheed and Cambria, since they are these anti-terrorist units, Coheed's got like these fucking, like, this robot arm that can, like, whip out, like, these, like, crazy blades and stuff, so he's, like, cutting off people's heads and shit, and then, like, Cambria's got her, like, telekinetic powers, so she's, like, using, like, lasers and doing all sorts of crazy shit, so it's a super interesting read, you gotta find out what happens to Claudio, I, this isn't the biggest spoiler ever, because, like, even Coheed and Cambria, the band, always says this, but Coheed and Cambria, the characters, die by the end of the first album. So there's a lot of death and there's pretty much like, it's just like right off the bat, you're like drawn right the fuck in. And like from there, the story just gets better. It's like the most unique science fiction I've ever really been subject to. And I often, when I explain this to people, I'm like, I recommend it more than Star Wars. And that's a bold claim, I know, but I I will go there. Jesus. (laughs) Took a dark turn real quick. Yeah. Oh man, I was gonna say the only other band I know that like ties in with a uh, story, like con- yeah, continuous story, is Proto Man, and that's so Mega Man. That's <laughs> nowhere near on that level. <laughs> yeah, I mean there are a few other concept bands that I'm familiar with, but nothing along the scale of Coheed and Cambria because there's there literally the story there could be a movie in and of itself, and that's why it became the the graphic novels the comics that it, it has become and it's all thanks to Claudio making this vision and it's funny Mark Wahlberg of all people actually bought rights to the the Amory Wars and was in, initially pretty much saying that they're going to make a movie out of this whole concept and I I hope if they get the cast right and do it right it could be the best thing to happen to film in forever but I just there hasn't been any news on it or any word so I don't know if he's actually very serious or not but we'll we'll see yeah I know with uh, after seeing one too many adaptations from you know comics or novels to film uh when there's a big celebrity tie-in name with it it's sometimes not the best thing <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, we could just That's... mention the new Ninja Turtles movies for one example. Yeah, right. But yeah, I mean, I hope it's good. I, definitely something I gotta check out. Yeah, and I mean, luckily the graphic novels are totally kick-ass, regardless. So those are always something to go to, and I'll definitely I'll put that stuff in the show notes uh, so you guys can access that. It's funny. Um, when I last saw Coheed and Cambria, I got like all the graphic novels uh, signed by Claudio, and it's ridiculous. So I could even. Sh- Put a, put a picture of that up. Oh, jeez, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, but, um, shit, oh, yeah, and when you were saying you, uh, how there's not too many bands that really follow a story like that, there's only one other that sticks out in my, in my mind, and they are really bizarre and, like, super underground, so I doubt any of our listeners know of them, but they're called Fall of Ephrava, and it's pretty much a concept band about the, the novel Watership Down. I'm not sure if you're familiar with any I've of that. I've heard of Watership Down, I haven't... Okay, so, alright, well the only reason I even know about Watership Down is because at a very young age, my grandmother would, like, have very limited VHS movies for me and my cousins. We're very young kids to watch, and she had some 70s adaptation of Watership Down, and it's like a an animation and it's just like really good animation, but like, it's almost like watercolor ish, 
but it's and and it's like obviously the context of that novel is not suitable for little kids but she did not realize this seeing that there's just a giant like a bunny rabbit on the cover oh yeah so she would I do put, remember this yeah so she would put this movie in being like oh the kids are this, <laughs> and then like fall and then like fall asleep and then like we're watching this and these bunny rabbits are like biting the shit yeah. out of each other's necks and like there's blood everywhere and it's like a super like dark uh comparable to society I, uh, like a direct comparison to s- society almost being like we have to treat other people humanely but it's just overall and the funny thing is i went and bought the novel i'm gonna reread it as an adult and see what i i think about it but honestly i did watch the movie again as an adult and i just realized how uh serious of an undertone there was and how as a little kid i had no idea what was going on other than rabbits killing each other <laughs> and, it, and it's much more complex than that and a really really uh a be- like a really good story and that's why i bring up fall of Ephrava because they have multiple albums dedicated to the watership down series and it's 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 doom metal i guess i want to classify it so it's not uh for everybody yeah. but if you if you like that stuff i it's i i love it so yeah i know a lot of um metal bands that like musician or members of those bands have gotten into drawing and writing their own comics they're not you know associated uh with the bands like these are clearly but sure. yeah i think it's like umbrella academy is done by i couldn't tell you my chemical romance drummer or something really okay i it's funny i can imagine that just by the art style yeah there's a lot of like musicians in very famous bands who've made their own comics and haven't necessarily relied on their uh band from music to carry it but the comics have done well yeah and honestly that's a ingenious marketing strategy because it's like your music will only carry you so far. Like, let's be realistic. Uh, me and my girlfriend were talking about it the other day, like, certain bands that were, like, one-hit wonders. It's like, how far did that one song take you? Because, like, you and think about, like, celebrities today that have, like, or even athletes, they have crazy amounts of money at their, exp- at, at their expense, and they just blow through it all, let alone someone that's only relying on, like, oh, I'm just that one-hit wonder guy. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Salt and Pepperhead were thought to be a one-hit wonder, and look at them now that, 30 years later, they're in one commercial. (laughs) Exactly. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's, people are getting better at, like, diversifying their, I guess, talent, you could say, and stretching out to different media. Yeah, and, god damn it, the most talented person I can think of is Claudio Sanchez, the vocalist and mastermind behind the Omri Wars and Coed and Cambria. Like, that guy fucking genius so props to him yeah i mean that sounds incredibly elaborate and i can't imagine when he gets around to writing music or the comic and that's the thing the music is so complex and like that's another reason why it's not even just the story that makes me love that band so much the music itself is technical progressive progressive is the best word for that Mm -hmm. band they've they've come such a long way that first album they released was like such like a emo kind of like i don't even know how i want to describe it but now they've now that their last two albums the afterman albums are really they've just matured so much it's unreal in a good way but i also i still my heart lies with the old material that is by far my favorite and that story it's just so haunting it's incredible yeah it sounds like it it's that's something i'll have to start looking into yeah totally man I'll, I'll send you, like, everything you need to get started. <laughs> okay, great.
But um, I think that oh wait oh duh, and the whole reason I bring up graphic novels, uh, I actually just picked up one over Christmas, and it's called Hacktivist. You ever hear of it? No. All right, I think it's kind of new. I think it may only have just come out this mm. year, but the the person behind this uh is actually Alyssa Milano. Really? Do you know who yeah. that is? Yeah. Okay, and that's the thing. I the name I knew it sounded familiar, but I I didn't know who that was until I actually googled her. And yeah, she's in, from uh Charmed and some other TV shows and I it's funny to think that this hacktivist uh graphic novel is actually her brainchild. So, but the the premise is these two um Two main characters, Ed Hickox and Nate Graft, are like these young uh, co-founders of a social network company called Your Life, and pretty much, uh, Your Life is like a, a Facebook that is anonymous, or like th- there's basically the the government can't like twist your arm and access your stuff. Uh. So like so, which is like that would be great if that were actually a real <laughs> thing. And then pretty much the. There's like this uh, country. Uh, I'm trying to think of what it was called. Uh, Tun- Tunisia, and Tunisia is like pretty much having an active rebellion. And these two guys, the co-founder of the of the Your Life uh, social networking company, are like the masterminds behind this other hacking group called Save Yourself. And they pretty much have been like working together to like do all these like hacktivism uh things to like help these other uh rebels and stuff in other countries so like they could shut down the internet of a whole country or something like they were doing all sorts of crazy shit and then the the u.s government eventually steps in and the 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 read is really interesting overall i was just like pretty i enjoyed it it was a little quick it was kind of like i wanted more by the time i was done but overall it was just fast-paced and really an interesting thing i was just the most surprising thing about it all is that it was uh created by Alyssa milano i was like does she really know anything about hacking or anything like that but apparently so i mean yeah i mean i i know there are celebrities who have their own comics i know joe hill created the whole lock and key series and it's really good but he's uh stephen king's son so it's not surprising when he you know writes a good story but yeah, I, I honestly can't say I would never have thought Melissa, Alyssa Milano is tied yeah, to Yeah, that's like, that's what I'm saying, man. That's just like being like, oh, Heidi Klum and, uh, no, no, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> Heidi Klum is doing a Grindhouse movie with, uh, Tarantino. Yeah, it, like, <laughs> yeah, oh, man. That's bizarre. Yeah. But yeah, I, I recommend it, though. It was definitely a good read and, uh, just an interesting. I, I'm I'm always intrigued by the whole hacker community and that was in the way that you can use hacking in a way to benefit the rest of the community. So that it was interesting in that regard. I, well, I, I'm always cautious about that stuff because hacking is just up there with video games in like other media where they just don't understand it. So I think there's like oh, I think sure. there's like a famous clip from like. NCIS, where it's like, oh yeah, I just hacked into the GUI interface and I changed this. And it's like, do you know what GUI interface is? Like, yeah, that's not how it works. You don't hack into it. <laughs> so it's just, oh, I just saw one uh, recently. It was from Bones, where a guy carved, uh, I think it was a QR code onto Bones. So when they scan it into the computer, it blew up the computers. Are you fucking? And an it's idiot. just like, oh my, it's like that's what hacking is to me, and like video games, it's like they just they get it so wrong. It's hard yeah. unless you actually know what you're doing. Like, exactly. Uh, it's definitely it's 
it's a really challenging uh, hobby if you're going to get into that. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought of it, like, hey, that might be neat. And I saw my roommate who's a computer science major do it, and I was like, I'm going to walk away and play video games for a while. And just <laughs> yeah. It's just... It's overall shady, and but the the best thing is, it's like you can you can hack in a good way, which is what I would always promote. Mm. But you know, there's always going to be the opposite: the white hats and the black hats. Yep, exactly. You yep. know, I feel like I'm gray, but <laughs> <laughs> can't deny. <laughs> but who there's cares? no black and white in the world. There's just fifty shades of gray. <laughs> yeah, oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but uh. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm glad we got to touch on some more stuff like that. That was That's definitely something I'd also like to talk about, like comics and mm-hmm. stuff in the show, but we'll see. I'm glad we got to finally do that for once. Yeah, if, if uh, I knew we were going to talk about that, I would have brushed up on some more of the comics I got. Oh, no worries. I have a bunch, too, and the only reason I brought up Hacktivist is because I read it recently, so I, I should brush up on what I got, and I'll definitely, like I said, you're going to f- get hooked to the Amory Wars. It's just so goddamn cool. And the, the art... The artists change uh, during throughout the comics, but each artist does it justice. Like I was never once like, "Oh, this sucks." I was always like, "It's so fucking awesome to look." Yeah, at. they're each good in their own way. Yeah, yeah, that's jeez. As soon as, soon as you started <laughs> talking about that, you said the monster. I immediately just had Space Jam flashbacks. Monsters. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah! Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for uh talking to me brand though uh, no problem thanks for having me on the show of course i probably will have you on as as if you're if you're available so anytime <laughs> man i mean i got that sweet sweet unemployment to look forward to so i got nothing but time <laughs> awesome i'll definitely uh i'll be in touch all then. right good to hear from you <laughs> all right take See care you. man